You know, there are many words we could use to describe a characteristic of God. God is faithful. God is good. God is merciful. God is righteous. God is compassionate. These are all adjectives that describe one particular characteristic of God. And there are many others, some found in Scripture and some we could come up with on our own. There are fewer words, however, that we could use to describe God himself, his nature and character. Words that paint a fairly adequate picture of who and what God is. In fact, I can only find four in Scripture. One is found in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. God is a consuming fire. It's a metaphor using one noun to describe another, and it paints a very vivid picture of God as judge. The other three are all given to us by John. In his gospel, John tells us that God is spirit, and that tells us what God is and what he is not. God is not flesh and blood, nor is he limited by the physical. God is spirit, and that helps us understand the basic nature of God. In the first chapter of John's letter, he tells us that God is light, and by examining the nature of light, we were able to gain further understanding of the nature of God and what he does. Light shines. It reveals itself. Light exposes. It reveals things as they really are. Light guides. It shows the way. We understand more about God through our understanding of light. John then goes on to give us one more word that defines God, and it's the most popular of all. Even if I hadn't used it in the title of the sermon, you would have guessed it. God is love. God is love. God is the embodiment, the spiritual embodiment of love. God is love personified. Now, we've got to be careful here. We've got to make sure we understand love if we're to understand God. And John has already made it clear what love is and isn't. Love, agape love, is not a feeling. It's a deep commitment to doing that which is right, that which in the long term is in the best interest of the object of our love. Paul even defined love in what we call the love chapter by telling us what love does and doesn't do. He said, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, does not take into account of wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, as long as we understand that, 
As long as we understand the nature of agape love, we can deepen our understanding of God by giving thought to the statement, God is love, and to the text in which we first find it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love helps us understand God, and God helps us understand love. Now, the fact that God is love helps us understand him and why he's done what he's done. Obviously, there's no way we can understand all there is to know about God, but, but an understanding of love helps a great deal. William Barclay, in his daily Bible study series, suggested that God, being love, explains creation, free will, providence, redemption, and life beyond. Now, that's very insightful. And if we understand what he meant by that, we can understand God pretty well. To begin, love explains the reason for creation. Why did he bother? Why did God create us in the first place? He knew what would happen he knew we would rebel against him. He knew we would break his heart. So why did he do it? You know, parents have been known to say, if only I'd known, I never would have had children. But God knew. God knew exactly what would happen. But he still created us. Why? Why? Because God is love. And love cannot exist in isolation. God wanted, even needed, someone to love. So he created the world and then created us. He created us so he could have someone to love. And he did so in the hopes that we would love him back. That explains why God gave us free will. No, God didn't make us to be simple objects of his affection. He made us in his own image with the capacity to love in return. But in order for that to happen, he had to give us the freedom not to love. That's why he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden that's why he allowed Satan to tempt us. God had to make sin possible. And the rejection of his love, a possibility, or our response couldn't have been love. It would have been a programmed response. God wanted someone to love and who would choose to love him back. And he wanted us to know that he continues to love and 
That explains the providence of God. God didn't just create this world, you know, wind it up and then walk away. He remained intimately involved with his creation. He cares about us. He sustains us. He provides for us. Love explains the providence of God and assures us of his watchful care over us, something Jesus beautifully expressed in the Sermon on the Mount. For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Of course we are. Of course we are. We are the chief of his creation. We are the reason he created all that has been created. And he loves what he created. So he takes care of us. Love explains and guarantees his providential care. It also explains his ultimate provision Redemption. If God were nothing but law and justice, the soul that sinned, it would die. Period. But God is love. So he made redemption possible. He didn't want to lose us. Redemption, salvation, is a demonstration of God's love. And Paul states that clearly in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And of course, John expressed it beautifully in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And love explains the need for eternal life. If this is all there is, God's love would only be a temporary attachment. But God's love is eternal. So those who choose to accept his love and to love him in return must be given a life beyond this one. God doesn't want to say goodbye to his beloved and he is God Almighty, so he doesn't have to. God is love. And because he is, we understand creation, free will, providence, redemption, and life beyond. Because God is love, we understand him. And we understand why he made us and why he has provided all he has for us. Indeed, love helps us understand God, but the converse is also true. God helps us 
understand love. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is addressed to those who are beloved by John and by God. As we noted last week, John referred to his initial readers as little children. He wasn't saying they were immature, but that they were loved. He was their spiritual father and loved them like a father, as did God, their heavenly father. They had experienced the love of God and love of a godly man. And that enabled them to love one another. Indeed, we learn to love by being loved. We don't teach our kids to love one another by lecturing them on the need to love. We teach them to love by loving them the same way God does. God is love. He's the source of love and the personification of love. And when God comes in, love can't just stay inside us. Love, by its very nature, has to flow on through us to others. If God has taken up residence in our heart, if we know God, we will love others. In fact, it's impossible to know God and not love. We may know about God and not love, but we cannot know God and not love. Love gives evidence to our relationship with God, and John makes it clear that everyone who loves with God's love is born of God and knows God. If we're born of God, we will reflect his nature. We will love the same way he loves. And believe it or not, we will do the same things he does. As you've already noted, God and love explains why God created. He wanted someone to love. And if we share God's nature, we will want to create someone to love. We'll not be so self-absorbed that we'll avoid or put off until all our personal goals and perceived needs are met the bringing of someone into the world who will need us and be dependent upon us. And we'll create opportunities to love others. We'll seek fellowship with other people, especially those who love God. We won't exist in isolation, something that's easy to do if only worshiping online. However, you can also exist in isolation when physically present in a worship service. You can slip in and slip out and never get to know anyone. You'll never be hurt by anyone that way. 
But you'll never know the love of God's people that way either. If we truly share the nature of God, we'll love as he loves. We'll enter into relationships and take the chance that someone might hurt us and not love us in return. It also means we will grant to everyone, including our brothers and sisters, liberty and the freedom to differ from us or differ with us. God didn't force us to love him or be like him. He doesn't just love those who love him, and we must not put conditions on our love for others. We can't only love those who are like us and who agree with us. We reflect the nature of God when we grant to others freedom, the freedom to differ from us and to even not love us and still love them. And we show our love by meeting needs, by making sure one another's needs are provided for. We'll get involved in each other's lives and we'll stay involved as God stays involved in our lives. When our help is desired, we'll be there. And even if it's not requested, the assurance that it is available will always be there. And we will forgive as we have been forgiven. Our relationship with God has taught us how to forgive anything and everything. If we can't, we don't know God. And finally, if we know God, we will help others prepare for eternal life. We'll love them enough to tell them of our Savior and tell them how he can become their Savior too. We don't want to have to say a final goodbye to anyone, unless, of course, we understand the original meaning of the word. In the 1570s, the English word for goodbye was actually God buitu, a contraction of God be with you. Unless it means that to you today, it's better to say at death, see you later, than goodbye. And we can, we can. Love is eternal. And if we know God, we know that and we plan for it. Yes, love helps us understand God, and God helps us understand love. John has more to say about love, and we'll be exploring it further in the weeks ahead. But let's draw it to a close this morning by simply stating that Jesus is calling us into the sunshine of God's love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God 
is love. If you want to know love, if you want to know God, Jesus makes it possible and he's calling you into his love today.